many of you believe we're at a pivotal point in, in at least our lives? Amen? Pivotal point in our culture, pivotal point in our nation. You can just feel it. You can just feel it all around you that our world, at least our nation, and I suspect that around the world, I, don't, I try not to be so, so narcissistic or so nationalistic that I think that something that's going on in the United States is important to the whole world, but it's important to my world and yours, amen? But, but our world is at a pivotal point. It's at a cultural pivotal point in all kinds of ways. And because of that, certainly with the virus and, and all of the circumstances going on in our world, the church finds itself today at a, well, it's a redefining moment. Uh, I've, other than like for special, uh, you know, weddings or funerals, we, we, we don't normally have ropes on the ends of the chairs. Something's different. Amen? I mean, uh, uh, you <laughs> I've noticed that it's just very difficult to communicate with people with a mask on. You go into a store, you smile at somebody, and I'm like, you're an idiot. They can't see you smiling. You know what I mean? I do a lot with, you know, you see people that are in circumstances. It's amazing what a smile can do to disarm things. Amen? And you can't do that now. So I've found myself (laughs) pulling it down, smiling real quick, and put it back up. Um... I'm, 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 I, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm just sorry. I listened to too much loud music when I was a kid. And I'm getting older. I've noticed that my hearing is not as good as it used to be. And now the mask has made that even worse. It wouldn't say amen or something back there when I touched on the old part. I thought he did, all right? He's older than me, always will be. But so many things in our world are different. What do we do about that? How does the church fit into that? Here's what I know without a shadow of a doubt. The scripture says that the Lord will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? So it doesn't really matter what's going on in culture. The Lord has prepared and he has provided for a ministry, for a place that the church is to operate in that, to bring forth his word and his kingdom all over the world. Say amen if you believe that. But that doesn't mean that we will instantly just sort of stumble upon it. It may take some prayer. It may take some fasting. It will take some prayer. It will take some fasting. It will take some spiritual disciplines to press in and find out exactly what it is the Lord wants us to do and how we navigate in this very different world that we're living in right now. Maybe everything will sort of rock back to the back to whatever normal was before when a vaccine is found for the virus. Maybe all the ropes will be gone. All the masks will be gone and, and life will sort of be what it was before. But there's always change, and we have to figure out exactly how to navigate that, and that's what this is about. Some six months ago, many of you will remember when this thing first started, there was a moment where the church closed, where we had to go completely online. Eventually, a moment came where we could come back, and then it tightened down again. Several of you have heard reports of traveling and going places, and the way that things that you've been to in the past have changed over the last few months. That's going on everywhere. We begin to recognize here that when we close the doors to this place for some 12 weeks, most of the ministries, most of the things that we would call ministries of abundant life, other than just the Sunday morning service, those things came to a screeching halt. And that was incredibly troubling to me. We can't be so singularly faceted as to only have what goes on in this building as the primary expressions. There were others, but the primary expressions required that we all be together in this building for the ministries that we were engaged in. 
And so I began to just sort of raise my head and ask the Lord, Father, how do we prepare Abundant Life Community Church for the potential that we might come to this moment again? And how do we ensure that the kingdom of God, through what we do, we are not the only expression of the kingdom of God. You know that. Lots of people all around the world love the Lord. But how do we steward what you've given us well so that if we find ourselves in that position again, and we're not a long ways from that now, how do we continue to reach the world for Jesus in a pandemic time period? How do we do that? With that thought in mind, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, verses 11 and 12. We've read it every, every week over the last few weeks. Paul writes this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Father, this morning, Holy Spirit, hmm. there have been so many times, Lord, when I have been overwhelmed during the last six months. So many things, Father, that have been norms of ministry have been removed. So many things that that I use to measure, Father, our effectiveness and how we're doing uh, are now, Father, they're just not, they're not accurate measurements. The, 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 the old standards won't work. We have to find new ways, new wineskins, Father. Holy Spirit, that's you. But Father, there's work that we have to do. Help me to do it well. Help this place to do it well. You provide the drawing, the conviction, the Spirit of God, stirring hearts. Help me to say it in the way that would honor you. Do it all in your powerful name, Lord. Amen. In the scripture, Paul writes, he says, he uses this phrase for building up the body of Christ. Now, you might think that building up there speaks to encouragement, making people feel better. They came in sort of downtrodden. They leave built up there. They're sort of, they came in sad. They leave happy. They come in depressed, they leave joyous. Maybe that's the way you think about building up. Or maybe you think about it in a maturation sort of a way. They come in immature, babies in Jesus. They, they, they don't even know the most basic scriptural premises, but after some time and through discipleship, they get built up. That's a little closer, but neither of those, even those, those may be the way you think about that, that phrase, neither of those are what that phrase really means. The, the idea of building up, in this, in this phrase, in this verse of scripture, in verse 12, is not so much about encouraging as it is bringing to completion, bringing things to their fullness, bringing them to a place where they are now, they were supposed to be 12 pieces, there were only eight, we've added four, they are now built up. They were partly there, now they're there completely there, they are fully done. Paul says, listen, there are things that the body of Christ is supposed to be about, and he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What is that work? To bring the body of Christ to completion, to, to, to make it not be in, in part, but in whole. There's some other scriptures that have some reference to that thing that God has laid upon us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says this. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. James chapter 1, verse 22. James writes, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. I commented before that uh, John and Dave did a great job over the last few weeks 
And I am expecting God to do something. And I am expecting God to stir us to the ministries that he has called us to do. In that light, let me give you some guiding principles. As we begin this missional life, let me give you some things that I think are incredibly important. And if we don't lay this foundation, we'll end up in the wrong, we'll arrive at the wrong place at the end of this. Number one, there is an absolute necessity for knowledge of God's word. If you're going to live missionally, you're going to have to know God's word. Now listen, I know what church people, because I was a church people for most of my life. I know what church people think when preachers say, you need to know the word. Listen, Danny, you need to know the word, brother. You need to, you got to get into the word. All right. You, you've got to, you've got to study the word. You got to be, I mean, listen, how many sermons have been preached about that? I don't know. We live in statistically the most biblically illiterate generation since the first generation to have the word of God. We, we understand and we would profess door to door to door the importance from those who claim the name of Jesus we would confess and profess the importance of the word, but so many of us have no daily or no routine or no, no, no principled, no strategic application of God's word in our life. And because of that, it's impossible for us to be on a mission in this missional life. It's impossible for us to be on God's mission because we don't really know. Now listen, we love the way we use that word. We would, we would ascribe uh, allegiance to his kingdom, but we don't really know him because you cannot know him except that you know his word. Say amen. amen. And so before we begin this, there's an absolute necessity for knowledge of God's word. Why? Because this isn't, this thing, this call of God, this day that we live in, the things that are going on in our world, you cannot afford to just do good things. This isn't a call to do good things this is a call to do God things. Amen? There are lots of good things. There are lots of things that will make you feel like you are moving society in the right direction. There are lots of things that are being reported to be good today. You see, good is a societally derived term. What is good, how many of you notice, it shifts from generation to generation. It keeps moving. What, what's good? That didn't used to be good. Now it is good. That used to be evil. Now it's good. So this isn't a call to do good things in the eyes of society. This missional living is about doing God things, finding things that are close to the heart of God. Now, the good news is, is that everything that is a God thing is a good thing. Amen? But there are good things by society's terms that aren't God things. And you can't do God things until you know the word of God. He's called us to be on mission for him, to represent his heart. Where's the heart of God in relation to the issues of our world? Where's the heart of God as it relates to the needs on the forms there in the chairs around you? Where's the heart of God as it relates to the people in our community? Where, is the, where are the God things around you? And you can't know those. You won't know those. Until you know God's word. John chapter 20 verse 21 says this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I, not Pastor Roy, not Abundant Life Community Church, not our community. I am sending you. You've been sent by Jesus. When's the last time you got up in the morning and thought, you know, today I got some things that I need to do because Jesus has called me to do them. And you won't know what those are. Listen to me now. Everybody listen to me. 
You won't know what those are until you become a serious student of God's word. You won't be able to identify. There'll be things that'll feel, well, this feels good. Yeah, this feels like something that I should be doing. You won't be able, your own heart will deceive you. Society will fill you with ideas of things that you should invest your life and your money and your time. And listen, this is not all about church stuff. This is about God stuff. What has God called you to do? What has he called you to be? What has he called you to invest in? What should you invest your life in as you live missionally? And you won't know what that is until you have a thorough knowledge of God's word. Say amen. Amen. Why is that? Because we've not been called to do good things. We've been called to do God things. Secondly, you've got to know the word of God because not all missional things are fun. Amen? And let me tell you, we love fun. Anybody like fun? All right? But there are some things on this list that we're going to show you today. And there's some things that God needs done and they're not fun. And if you're waiting for the good thing that sort of jazzes you up and gives you a thrill and strokes you all the time, there are going to be a whole bunch of needs in our world that aren't going to get met. You see, there are a lot of things that God's going to call us to do that require us to lay our lives down. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to lay my, lay my life down. That doesn't sound very fun, does it to you? But there's some God things that need to be done in our world. There's some God work that needs to be done. There's some missional things that God wants to do in our world to touch people and to to take care of the circumstances in our world, to speak to the relational things that are going on in our world, the race things that are going on in our world, the the hungry kids that are going on in our world, the, the needs that are going on all over our world. And there are many of those that require sacrifice. Real, now listen, real sacrifice. I want you to know I I like to give. Any of you like to give? But I've noticed the kind of giving that I really like to do. I really like to give out of my surplus. You say, what's a surplus? Well, I don't have bags of cash. Those those bags of money that I'm tripping over in the living room, I like to give those, yeah. But I don't really care for. My flesh really doesn't care about giving of time that I was going to spend doing something I wanted to do. See, now it's sacrificial. Because giving and working is not just about money. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your talents. You know, Pastor, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I get nervous when I'm up in front of somebody. Yeah, but has God called you to do that? I get nervous talking to new people. You know, Pastor, I, I, get, I, get, I get uneasy when I, when I have to move outside of the sphere of people that I know well. I'm not comfortable being around new people. Well, listen, maybe God has called you to be around some new people. And until you get past the fun part... And you get into the sacrificial part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're never going to be able to live on mission. And until you get God's word burning in your heart. Jeremiah said, your word is shut up in my bone so that I couldn't help but speak. It's his word made alive by the spirit that moves you beyond what's fun. And we live in a fun oriented, I want to do what I want to do world. And church, that won't work. Come on, say amen. Not all missional things are fun things. But now listen, it will become something you can't imagine it be. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Just to show you that it's not all fun. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Woo, that sounds fun, doesn't it? I am sending you out into a world 
where you are sheep and they are wolves. Does that sound appropriate to today's world? You're a sheep, they're wolves. I'm sending you. And, and listen, you're not going to stumble into that. I am sending you. Oh, Jesus wouldn't push his sweet little lambs out among the wolves. Yeah, he would. In fact, he did. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. Now watch this. Jesus didn't say you were sheep. He just says, I'm sending you out as I want you acting like sheep. Out among people who are acting like wolves. What, what the real reality is, is that you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood set forth to show forth his praise. You are sons and daughters of God. You're supposed to go with the attitude of sheep in the midst of wolves. But what you really are is warriors of God shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're fully prepared by God. You're supposed to go meek and mild like sheep out in the midst of wolves and be as wise as serpent, as innocent as doves. But you can't do any of that without God's word in your life. I'm trying, brother, all right? All right? So knowledge of God's word. Why? Because this isn't a call to do good things. It's a call to do God things. And not all missional things are fun. Secondly, not only is knowledge of God's word important as we face this, but teams, small groups, this is the only way to do this. One of the most difficult things, and I think it's, as I look upon it now, it is one of the most cunning ploys of the enemy ever devised separate the body of Christ separate them make them feel independent get them in their homes bring the whole world to them keep them from having close personal relationships keep them from having extended groups of people that are there and 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 that encourage and hold them accountable get them doing their own thing and I got them and it started about 30 years ago where houses, just these are little simple preacher things, but they're true, where houses started being built with back porches instead of front porches. And we began to build big privacy fences around our place. And we began to do everything we did there on that little piece of property. And we didn't want to have a bunch of people involved in our lives. That's a, that's a new societal thing in the last 25 years. We used to have large extended groups of people that we, were, that we were intimately engaged with in the church, even at work. We were relationally connected deeply to people. And now, for most of us, we can count on one hand, one hand, the number, one hand, all right, the number of close intimates in our life. But listen, we got to undo that. Say amen. 
these teams. Small groups are the way to go. They're the only way to get, if you'll notice, Jesus never sent anybody out by themselves. At most, he sent them out in groups of two. Most of the time, two or three, he sent them out in groups over and over. He didn't have one apostle. He didn't have one disciple. He had 12 in whom he poured the kingdom of God. There was this idea of people holding each other up, people supporting one another. Why? Why are teams, small groups, the only way to get missional work done? Number one, because sometimes you're going to get tired. Anybody ever been tired? Ever been tired of the ministry? No, I have. It's just life. You get tired. I don't know if you have ever participated in any kind of endurance event, running or swimming or biking or any of those things. But have you ever tried to do that alone? You ever try to start and maintain that by yourself? Some of you are like, no, why would anybody do that? It's very difficult to do it alone. But if you just got one other person, especially someone better at it than you, you know that guy that runs? Come on, let's go. Come on, fatty, let's go, come on. You know, and it's somebody that can speak that to you. My goodness, you're 100 years old. Let's go. My, whew, are you alive back there? I hear you breathing. Whoo, come on. I can hear your heart beating. It's beating. Let's go. Come on. And that one person, and, and you're determined. I had a friend like that who taught me to play racquetball. And, man, that guy beat me every day. He could hit this skill shot down on the wall. Just beat me every day, every day, every day. In the military, a lot of people play racquetball. And we played for like a year. He just beat me every day. And then one day, finally, I was keeping up with him. And then I got ahead of him for the first time. And I thought, whoo, this is it. <laughs> and I was doing good until I got cocky. And I said, yeah, I'm about to beat you. He said, oh, you are? I said, yeah, I'm about to beat you. He said, I'm going to switch back to playing with my right hand now. He played me the whole game with the wrong hand. All right. And then, he just beat me again. But he, you know what I mean? He just kept me moving. I wanted to get better. I wanted to beat that guy. Same way with running. It's the same way in missional living. You cannot, listen, you cannot allow the enemy to keep you isolated. You've got to open your life. You've got to, I mean, you have got to specifically reach out and say, I am going to draw a group of people around me. And we're not going to just do it because we all have similar interests. We're going to do it upon the mission of God. We are getting together to do something for the kingdom of God. When's the last time you ever had that thought? I'm going to have some people at my house. We're going to sit down. We're going to make a plan. We're going to reach out. We're going to meet a need. And it's all about God's kingdom. And we're going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to do it until the job is done. Just looking for the crickets. Cricket noise. All right? Why? Because you're going to get tired. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, and yes, he will, Two will withstand him, and a threefold, threefold cord is not quickly broken. You're better together with others. And if you're going to do this missional thing, you're going to have to call some people together to you. And you're going to have to want to do that. And you won't do that until you get the Word of God burning in you. Word of God is necessary. Number two, team, small groups are the only way to do this. Not only will you get tired, teams are also important because one mind cannot contain the creativity that God intends to bring to this effort. One thing that I've learned in the ministry, I can't, I can't, I can't just be the only mind working at Abundant Life. I can't be the creative center. I can't be the leadership center. I can't, everything can't flow through me or it all bogs down. Listen to what 1 Corinthians says. We use this verse... Most often we think about it in, in light of heaven. 
things that God has gotten ready for us in heaven. But listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. What if this verse, and it does, it has application here as well. What if this verse speaks to here and now, what God wants to do through you? But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Why do we only apply that to heaven? Maybe he's got things he wants to do through you here and now. Creative ideas and resources that he wants to bring online. There is nothing. Now listen to me. Heaven is wonderful, but there is nothing more central to the heart of God than the lost men and women, boys and girls around us every day. That's the center of his mission. It's the entirety of the message of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. He gave his only begotten son to do it. It is the most important cause to the father. Seeing lost people come to him. If that's true, oh, can you imagine what God might birth in you and a group of people that get together with one cause? We're going to find something that needs to be done for the kingdom of God so that we might demonstrate the compassion of God so that people might then be saved. Oh, God, give us the creative ways to do it. I have to believe that God will open the windows of heaven and pour in creativity that you can't possibly contain. And one mind is not sufficient to do that. You need more than one person praying. You need more than one person and seeking the face of God to see what he might do and that can only be done in a team of people. So first of all, the word of God is important. Secondly, teams are the only way to do this. And number three, God loves this. We spend a lot of time, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, Father, should I take that job? Lord, should I move in that direction? I want you to know that this is a thing as far as You may need to pray about what it is, but about whether you get involved in it, you don't have to pray about that. Oh, no, pastor, I need to pray about this. No, you don't. You don't need to pray about this. Jesus has said it over and over. Go into all the world. I'm sending you out. Go and do, go and preach, go and baptize. It is over and over. It is resplendent in the word of God that you and I have been sent out to be his representatives to this lost world. Say amen if you believe that. God loves this. This is about a demonstration of God's love leading people to salvation. Matthew chapter 18, verse 14. He says, so it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Whosoever will may come. Abundant life. Now listen to me. We have a lot of things that we believe in. A lot of good things that we want to be involved in. All the things that we do in this room are important. I want worship to be the best that it can be. I want to preach as good as I can. I want the building to be right. I want the lights to be right. It's not always that way, but that's our goal to make it as right as it can be. But I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the people in this room are saved. Have you gotten that? All of you that right now know without a shadow of a doubt, if your heart stops in a minute, you're on your way to heaven. Raise your hand. Raise it up. Come on. I'm going to heaven. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's pretty high. Amen? And so all of this has got to just be about equipping you and I to get out of here. You and I to get out of here and be engaged in the work of the ministry outside these walls. Say amen. Amen. Because the primary heartbeat of God, the thing that he loves, the thing that this is all about, is seeing the lost come to Jesus. I love that you like your church. I see people. There was a comment on the Facebook page a while ago. I won't tell you who, but you can go by. And she said, I love my church. Greatest church anywhere. And I thought, I'm going to give her a dollar next time I see her. I love that. I love that. I love when I'm gone. Oh, pastor, so glad you're back. Oh, we miss you when you're gone. I love all that. But listen, none of that's getting the law saved. Amen. All right. Two weeks. <laughs> Doing my best. 
God loves this idea that the body of Christ will get out of here. Why? Because this is about a demonstration of God's love leading people to salvation. Because he didn't want any to perish. Final point. Really? Amen. Amen. Glad I'm back. (laughs) Number four. Right now is when you start. Well, you know, I got to... I got some things at work, got some family things, got a vacation schedule. I got some, you know, when I get back, it's just not conducive. It's not a good time. It's not a, it's not a good time. I'm really busy right now. There will always, I want you to know that the enemy of men and women's souls will always give you a reason to wait. Right now is the time to start. Right Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. Do you you know what that means? Uh, When you called on me, I didn't say, wait, it's not a good time to talk to me right now about your spiritual well-being. Jesus says, listen, it is always the right time. I'm always available for people to come to me. I'm never going to turn a deaf ear to the cries of those. In a, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Come on, what's in your way? Push it aside. What's keeping you from being a student of God's word? Push it aside. What's keeping you from getting a group of people together and finding a missional need. We're going to give you some very powerful ones in a moment. What's keeping you from doing that? Whatever it is, push it aside. Why? Because today the door of the ark is still open. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? When Noah built the ark, day after day after day, the door was open. Day after day, people could have come and helped. Day after day, it wasn't raining yet. Day after day, life rocked on and people thought Noah to be crazy. Did I say Adam a moment ago? Did I say Noah the first time? I go back and listen sometime to my sermon. I went, what? (laughs) I didn't even, that scripture's not even close to where I was supposed to. Day after day, the ark was being built. And day after day, people thought it was nothing. Until it started to rain. And there was a moment, I have to believe that there was a moment. Come on, church. There was a moment of abject, unmitigated terror. When people realized crazy Noah was right. And they ran up and they, I have to believe they began to bang. Let us in. I don't know how fast the waters rose. I just know that they did. And you may say, how could a loving God? A loving God built a big old boat. Had a guy, some believe for a hundred years, preach every day as he built. That was a loving God. But judgment always eventually comes. 
And it's going to come to this world. Now's the time. There was a moment in there somewhere where the water was right here. People, please, I believe you now. Too late. Now's the time. What's keeping you from it? Push it aside. Hear this message. Hear this. Don't dismiss this. I don't know where we are in God's timetable. But our world is at a pivotal moment. And now's the time. Let me close with Matthew chapter 5. I can tell you're listening. Once again, Jesus said this to you and to me. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Have you lost your saltiness? Got a lot of other things in the way? Worship team, come on back. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they'll applaud. Ooh, man, you'll, you'll be the coolest people. No, you probably won't be. But in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father, this morning, stir your people. So many things, Father, in the way. So many things, Lord, so many busy things. Holy Spirit, that won't do. That just won't do. So will I. Yes, Father, so will I. Mm. Notice, can you sing that? But the words are you speak a hundred million galaxies are born in the oceans and the earth where you have formed. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. So will I, Father. So will I. Father. So will I. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. Mm. If the mountains roar your greatness, so will I. 
If my words should still fall shy If the stars were made to worship So will I Father, we will worship With our lives, Lord, we'll worship So will I Father, we thank you Wherever you tell me to go So will I go Thank you, Father. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it, God. Yes, Father. Father, stir our hearts right now. Stir our hearts. Thank you, Father. Stir our hearts. There on the seats next to you, you have a little form. And if you're online watching us, and I know a number of you are, if you go to our website, on the very front page of our website, the very first piece below the main header is a section that talks about serving our community. It says, learn more. Click on that box. It will lead you to this very same form. If you're online with us. This is community volunteer team. Let me tell you a little bit about these about these ministries. Um, River Bend Family Ministries does a tremendous job of ministering to people in crisis moments, whether it be food or counseling. Just, I can't even tell you all the different things that they do from just, just from a, we went over and visited it. It is a exquisite ministry. Professional counselors working with children and moms and dads they need, they need homeless hygiene kits. Collect the donations and organize the supplies to put into little kits to give to homeless people when they come by their ministry. I don't, I'm not looking for a person. I'm looking for a team. Here's all I need you to do. If you're interested in that, check that box. We'll put all the people together, maybe more than one team. We'll help organize it. But if you're interested in helping the homeless, at Riverbend Family Ministries. They also have a supply closet of those kits. They need somebody to manage that. Just to go in. It's probably, it's probably once a week. Just go in and keep the closet organized. They need somebody to restock and to get donations and to put together emergency food supplies there at, at Riverbend Family Ministries. So any of those three on your form if you're looking at it. Check one. Check two. Check them all. We'll, we'll find you a job. You won't be alone. What we're hoping is that these teams will be large enough that we can maybe provide more than one team so that they, that they rotate, so that you're not, you're not there 10 hours a week. You're, you're there two hours a month, maybe. We don't know yet. I want to go through all of these. Thrive, Thrive, just down on Albee Street. Thrive, that is, I think most of the people that work at Thrive go to church here. Thrive is a pregnancy resource center saving children from abortion. If you have any kind of medical training or licensing and you'd give them some hours, any kind, check that box. They need clerical workers and people that will answer phones. Check that box. Patient advocate. You say, I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know exactly what that is either, but I know they trained them. If you want to work with people and advocate for them, be a counselor, be a uh, not really a counselor, but be a, be a friend. 
Check that box. The Restore Network. That's, the Restore Network is all about foster children. Come on now. That's got to touch your heart. If you knew the number of children, and I've heard this number, but I don't remember it, and I don't want to give you a false one, but hundreds of kids in foster care around our county. They need a, one of the things that they do is every time they take in a new child, they provide that family with a week of meals, frozen sort of pre-prepared meals that they can put in the freezer and pull out because in the first week that the child is there, there are a ton of appointments they have to go to. There are things that they have to do, medical checkups, all kinds of things that are provided for that child. And it's very hectic the first week that that family gets a new foster child. And it would be an incredible blessing to them to have a team that prepares meals. I had the thought, maybe we could get a couple of teams. You could come use our kitchen. It'd be a great fellowship time. We just keep the meals and we've got free. We can, and then, and then take them to the families every time they get a new foster. You see that, that, what a powerful ministry. And that'd be so easy to do. If you're interested in that, put a check by the box. Also restore, every time a child comes into foster care, they get new clothes. Some of them come with nothing. They need people. How many of you, how many of you like to shop? You just like to shop. Here's a ministry of shopping. They'll give you sizes and what they need, and you go buy the clothes. Now, here's the deal. You have to pay for the clothes and then get reimbursed. They don't have a way to give you a credit card or something. They'll reimburse you completely. They'll give you a list. You have to pay for the clothes, and then they'll reimburse you. They're not going to cheat you out, but they need somebody to go buy the clothes. Maybe a team, a team of people that would say, we are the foster care clothes shopping team. You come together once a week, once a month to have fellowship and to talk about the needs and then then go shop in the name of Jesus. Come on, this is custom made for some of us. Amen? Community Hope Center does such an incredible job. They have a kitchen that needs to be organized. They have a warehouse. They have clothes donations constantly in need of volunteers. We could go in teams, not alone, in teams. They need clerical work. They need spiritual care and praying with clients. A team from Abundant Life that goes one day a week and does that. Something. They'll work with us. They need delivery drivers. They need prepare people that will prepare lunches. People that will organize the free store and they have gardening. Come on, there's something on that list. Now, these are just the ones that we're going to help coordinate. Maybe there's something the Lord's going to lay on your heart. But we have to get the ministries of abundant life outside this building. Amen? Would you do something with me? Would you stand? Would you grab your mask and grab that card and bring it down here?